Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. How is everybody doing this week? It's so good to be back with you. We just passed the International Women's Day, which was on March 8th of 2021. And it got me thinking a little bit. Way back on November 19th of 2019 was when I did the first episode that was specific to ankylosing spondylitis and how it affected women. And I thought about that and I said, you know, it's probably time that I look at touching up that episode, freshening it up and and bringing some new life to it. And so I thought, what better way than to release the episode right after the International Women's Day? But first, I want to point out a couple things. One is that for the show, we just had downloads from the 106th country to join this community that we're all building and all a part of here. We had a first person to download some episodes from Serbia. So that was the 106th country. Who it is, I don't know, but I hope they enjoyed and I hope they continue to listen. Also, I got a really fantastic review a while back and I wanted to share it. A listener, Ed Wheaton, wrote, Really informative. Jason always keeps it on topic and interesting. Not sure how he makes it so every episode is worth listening to even after so many. Well, thanks, Ed. I appreciate that. It's always a challenge to try and come up with new and innovative topics that will work for everybody that's listening. And I really appreciate that you like what you're listening to. And with that, on to today's show. Recently, I came across an article on spondylitis.org, which is the Spondylitis Association of America's website. And if you're not a member or not in the United States, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look at their website. There is lots and lots of good information, and I would encourage you to go out Go to the website, spondylitis.org. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And look around. There's so much good information there that is applicable to anybody that's dealing with axial spondyloarthritis. So this particular article was titled, Standing Tall for Women with Axial Spondyloarthritis. You know, historically, we all know that this disease was thought of as a man's disease. And that that mindset unfortunately, is still prevalent in some doctors, in some cases, many doctors. But we know that over the last, oh, decade or so, there's been a real recognition of how the disease progresses, the starting of the disease. I don't mean the exact starting, but I mean as far as what we now term non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis and how that can progress possibly for many to the ankylosing spondylitis and why it's really important to put this disease under the heading of axial spondyloarthritis so that we eliminate some of the confusion that is out there and the terminology that can really, I think, cause some delays. I see it online where you'll see a woman go, I know I have ankylosing spondylitis. I know I do. I've got all these symptoms. Boom, 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 boom. Then they go to a rheumatologist. The rheumatologist orders x-rays. The rheumatologist gets the x-rays back and says, there's no fusion. There's no signs of fusion. There's no nothing. Let's send you for an MRI. Send them for an MRI and, and maybe there's nothing there. And they say, well, you don't have ankylosing spondylitis. 
the woman gets frustrated because she goes, but I have all these symptoms. And the doctor says, but you don't have any of the fusing or even the beginnings of it. Well, they're most likely talking about the same thing, but different stages. And that is, again, why it's so important to talk with your doctor about axial spondyloarthritis and say, I think I'm having axial spondyloarthritis because that removes that fusion part. If you see the fusion in there, great. That just cements it and, and solidifies the diagnosis. If you don't see the fusion, that doesn't mean that this isn't what you have. You might not have it, but it doesn't mean it's not what you have. You just might be in the non-radiographic stage which is where many women start off, many people start off for that matter, but many women start off and, and tend to stay in that stage. So it's very important to, I think, remove the terminology of ankylosing spondylitis when you're going in for a diagnosis and start off with the terminology of axial spondyloarthritis. I think that lets the doctor know that you're looking at the disease from a much higher level. You're not focusing on, is there fusion? Is there not fusion? You're saying, what is going to lead me to the correct diagnosis to get the correct medication, the correct treatment plans to help me? Because that's really what it all boils down to. The most beneficial thing that we'll ever see with this disease will be the elimination of how it affects men versus how it affects women and, and that old thought process. The most important thing that we'll come across is as people with axial spondyloarthritis, how are we moving through the diagnosis and the journey that we all deal with having axial spondyloarthritis? So as we look at this disease, for over the last decade or so, it's been recognized that the disease is coming on earlier and earlier than what many had thought. And the diagnosis or the delay of the diagnosis that is very prevalent for women can lead to a lot more untreated pain, a lot more internal damage, just a, a much worse experience with an already terrible disease. You know, we know that for many years it was thought of again as a men's disease. There's been a really a persistent under-recognition of the disease in women in particular, and that women tend to have less damage on the x-rays compared to men, as well as a less measurable inflammation in the blood by the C-reactive protein, the CRP. As the article states, notwithstanding those differences, female patients have higher reported disease activity, proportionally greater functionality impairment, you know, which is the ability to do certain daily activities, and a worse quality of life, especially related to the extended time it takes for diagnosis. So ultimately, how are we benefiting patients by continuing to use non-radiographic and ankylosing spondylitis? Those two terminologies are really, well, they might be beneficial in the research phase as they look at different populations internally for studies. From a patient's perspective, those terminologies should be thrown away. It should be I'm trying to get a diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis. When we look at the article, it goes on to state, when women patients eventually make it to a rheumatologist and are given a correct diagnosis, they have often previously been misdiagnosed. And it doesn't take much just to go onto any of the Facebook forums and read about those misdiagnoses in the women. And, and it really is just heartbreaking to me to see the people that write these stories and the women that write these stories and the extended years they go through trying to get a diagnosis. It's really just an additional layer 
uh, an additional, actually terrible layer to this disease that's put on women. So the most common incorrect diagnosis is fibromyalgia. That, well, it can coexist a lot with axial spondyloarthritis, single or sole diagnosis, instead of just one of the possibilities that the patient may have. Chronic back pain and foot pain are also looked at as individual items and not as pieces of the whole, but as each being their own separate condition, when in reality they point to one thing. It's just a lot of times putting these together and making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed happens, and that unfortunately doesn't always happen. So as we look at this, women affected tend to have more peripheral, you know, the arms and the legs involvement and higher prevalence of inflammatory bowel disease than compared to men. All of these items are things that you listening as a woman need to be aware of. I encourage you, I have an episode where I talk about listening or writing down issues when you go into a your rheumatologist visit, whether it be the first one or the 50th one. Write down your questions as you think about them. Put them in your cell phone, put them on a piece of paper, whatever. Because when you get in front of your rheumatologist, having all of them listed out there for you to go ahead and discuss further is really helpful because if you give one or two because you forgot, got nervous, whatever it is, walked out the door and then thought of three or four other items, well, those three or four other items put together with those first couple that you gave may have given a much better picture towards a diagnosis for yourself. Spoon feeding them over a six-month, one-year, two-year period might not allow the the rheumatologist, unfortunately, to put it all together as a diagnosis for axial spondyloarthritis instead of just piecemealing it out to these different items. So it's very important to write everything down. Also, I did an episode with a gentleman named James Allen. He has a website called Chronic Insights. I'll have a link to it in the show note. I've mentioned this many times before. From his website, you can download his app. He has axial spondyloarthritis. He's wrote this app for your phone that allows you to input where you're having pain and describe it and and track it. And these trackings can be exported and sent to your doctor. And that allows your doctor to see how you're doing instead of when you go in and you fill out that little piece of paper with the doctor that says, how have you been feeling in the last two months, the last two weeks, the last week, whatever it is, you know, well, I feel great this week, but you know, two months ago for eight weeks, I felt like heck. So there's these various tools out there that you can pull together to try and give yourself the best shot at helping your doctor help you. So as we go on and look, as you have these peripheral joint involvement that women deal with and things like IBS in a greater levels than men, they often report more familial history of spondyloarthritis as well. Though this doesn't necessarily mean that the genetics are different in women. It could reflect a tendency towards women's greater knowledge of their family history. Fewer women have significant damage on x-rays at diagnosis, which is the ankylosing spondylitis part of it, which I think we need to remove from our vernacular, over time. Fewer women develop the bamboo spine, which is the fusion or the ankylosis of the spine. Again, the, the nasty part of this disease is that the beginnings of it, the non-radiographic portion of it, you still have all the pain, all the issues, everything that goes along with this disease. You just don't have that fusion going on. That's what makes it so much more difficult to diagnose, to see, to deal with. And that's really the, the crux of the problem. That's the really 
bad issue that we deal with. So for the doctor and for patients, but for the doctor, an important area to understand for both female patients and the researchers is what happens to women in pregnancy that are having AS issues. This is especially important as the disease starts in the women of childbearing age, such that patients will have the disease when they become pregnant. Emerging data is starting to suggest heterogeneity, emerging data suggest heterogeneity in disease activity in pregnancy. Individual patients may actually feel better in pregnancy, and that's backed up by what a lot of women on the board say is that it seems like a big remission when they get pregnant. They have less pain, less issues, and they haven't felt better in years, though that doesn't stay that way once the baby's born and, and everything kind of goes back to normal. The literature reports results as a group level, so the following information does not suggest that this is applicable to everybody, but it's more that it's at a much higher level. Some women are going to have a good pregnancy, basically, and some are not, but by and far, that has been something that's been shown to help with the how you feel during your course of the disease. As far as treatments go, the treatments for axial spondyloarthritis are not different between men and women, except in the setting of pregnancy. Physical therapy is a cornerstone of the non-pharmacological therapy, and most patients should get referred for a course when first diagnosed. First-line pharmacologic therapy is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, the NSAIDs, and when this class does not work, or work well enough, or if it is not tolerated, then biologics are recommended. The biologic class currently recommended as first line is the tumor necrosis factor inhibitors. Those are your Enbrel, your Humira, your Remicade, things of that nature. Though another more recent class called interleukin-17 inhibitors, like your Cosentix, which is what I, you know, has worked well for me, are very good and they work well for, for certain people. But what about treatments in pregnancy? During the pregnancy, NSAIDs are contradicted in the third trimester, and though they can be taken early in pregnancy, they are not strongly recommended. There is some animal data, you know, not humans, but done in animals, suggesting NSAIDs interfere with implantation, you know, i.e. getting pregnant, and human data suggesting an increased risk of miscarriage with NSAIDs use early in pregnancy. Now, if you're thinking about getting pregnant or you're in your early stages of being pregnant, please talk with your doctor. This is not to be construed as medical advice. I am not a doctor. I'm strictly just presenting something that was on the spondylitis.org website. So don't let it scare you. Talk with your doctor. Your doctor is going to know your situation much better than anybody else. And they will know what's you know the best course of action for you. Sometimes for women during pregnancy, sulfazine is a safe item to use. And there are some biologics that can be safe during pregnancy. Simsia is one that comes to mind right off the bat. It does not seem to be an adverse type of medication for use during pregnancy. Well, what about after the baby's born? What kind of treatments can you do once you start lactation? And if you choose to breastfeed the baby or not breastfeed the baby, that's again, your choice. Some choose, some don't. So you do what's best for you. Well, they strongly encourage mothers to provide breast milk to the infants if possible, certain drugs you may take just might not allow that. So similar to pregnancy, things like a methotrexate, you know, is, is not considered good, where a sulfazine is apparently a, a safe item to use, though should be stopped if baby is preterm or jaundiced for one or two months. So again, your rheumatologist as well as the pediatrician will work with you on what's best for this. Also, 
NSAIDs are generally thought to be safe with lactation. Those with a shorter half-life are preferred, especially as the baby's gastrointestinal systems mature. Uh, very little, though, of this class of drug is excreted into breast milk. So there's the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends the following NSAIDs as breastfeeding compatible. Ibuprofen, indomycin, diclofenac, naproxen, um, and the tomectin. There, there's a few of them listed out there. Uh, though this is mainly based on expert opinion and some observational data. Another likely safe option is Simsia. So again, you're going to want to talk with your doctor. They can lead you along the safest path. With that said, I know those are really just some high-level things, but I want to bring things to your mind to think about when you go as a woman in to talk with your doctor and say, what is the best course of action for me? If you're past your years when you're going to have children, well, then that last little bit is really not applicable to you. And you can carry on with any of the full treatments that can help to minimize pain, minimize damage, and give you a better quality of life. And that's really what it's about. The most important thing is that eventually it's not going to matter what we look at with this disease as far as is it a man's disease? Is it, a, you know, do women, none of that will matter. What's going to matter is the doctor looks at somebody and says, I have a patient here who's showing these classic symptoms of axial spondyloarthritis, and I want to treat them going forward this way. And that's where it's beneficial. When you go in and talk to your doctor, start to use the terminology of axial spondyloarthritis. I don't care if you're a man or a woman and listen to this. Use axial spondyloarthritis. Force your doctor to start using that terminology with you. They may not use it with other patients, but force them to start using it with you, forcing that picture, talk with them about axial spondyloarthritis, and let them know that you are familiar with some of the things that, you know, your body's going through that you're dealing with and the disease ramifications and the symptoms that can pop up for the disease. As you get more educated, you're better able to become an advocate and educate others on this horrible condition that we all deal with. So with that, and again, in celebration of International Women's Day, none of us would be here without women. We're all a product of a mother. And so with that said, my hat's off to all you women that are not diagnosed or trying to fight for a diagnosis. You know, it's really something that I hope gets corrected as, as we move along and, and become better at recognizing what's going on. And to just everybody listening, thank you. Thank you so much. When I see reviews come in, when I see emails come in, they're just so joyful for me to read. And I just love to hear that people are enjoying the show. I can't wait to bring you more episodes. You know, if you have an interesting story that deals with your diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis, you have an interesting story that you think can be beneficial, whether it be the damage that you incurred because of a late diagnosis or the help you received because of an early diagnosis from someone, please reach out to me through the website, spondypodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. I really, really this year want to interview more of us in the community to hear everybody's journey with this disease so that it can be shared to others. And hopefully, maybe somebody else will be listening to your story and be able to relate and something you say helps them. So with that, thank you. Have a wonderful week, and I look forward to coming to you next week.